Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My spider senses are starting to tingle. Welcome to the 20th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots. This week we're talking about Moon Knight issue 188, the Marvel Legacy must-read from last week. And then we also have The Batman Who Laughs, the final installment of the Dark Knights saga. I'm your host, Anthony Composto. I'm also the editor of the comic book section on Monkeys Fighting Robots. Joining me in the conversation is my co-host, co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com, Matthew Sardo. Anthony, how's it going, my friend? Oh, it's going so good for me. Less less so for you. You seem you seem depressed about the books we have to talk about this week, but I'm depressed. I'm, I'm depressed after reading those books. Those were the two most depressing books ever that we're going to talk about. And if you like this show, you people out there in the interwebs listening with your headphones on right now, if you like the show, subscribe on Blog Talk Radio, uh, iTunes, Stitcher. There's multiple. Places. You're a nerd. You know where to subscribe from, so you get every episode. It's awesome. Uh, the biggest thing that we love doing the show is the feedback. Feedback is very welcome, and when we get a comment or a tweet, you know, like we get little goosebumps. Like J-Lo would say, we get goosies. It's the best. Uh, and also, just like tell us what books you're reading so that we can kind of plan our reviews around that. This is the only comic podcast where uh, you get a little J-Lo reference thrown in there from time to time. I know. That's, that's what we, I try to bring something new. <laughs> Speaking of what comic books you're reading, the comic show is sponsored by Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. There are tons of trades and graphic novels coming out this week, specifically this week. I just saw the image from Uncanny Heroes of all the trades that are coming out this week. And every week... At Uncanny Heroes in Tampa or Lakeland, graphic novels are 25% off. Uncanny Heroes is located at 12904 North 56th Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. Support your local comic book store, people. All right, so Matt, uh, uh, we have awesome books to talk about this week. But before we get to that, we have to address the major comic book news that came out last week. And we just missed it. Like, it came out right after we recorded our episode. And that's Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis signing an exclusive contract with DC. The man who arguably built the modern-day Marvel uh, foundation. Oh, man, I, I feel like you guys give him way too much credit. Than he deserves, and not that he deserves. Like he is really, really good, but I don't think he like reinvented the genre. I don't. Think no, there did. was there was some real fire in our little comics writers chat after this happened because some of us, some of us guys were ranting and raving, and you were telling you you literally were telling us to go sit in the corner and think about what we've been saying. Well, no, Manny said that he belongs up there. Next to Stan Lee and like Jack Kirby and all the people that created Marvel, Steve Ditko, like, and I'm like, ah, come on, man. Like, well, Bendis, no. like, kind of saved Marvel with 
Ultimate Spider-Man. Like that was at a time when comics were kind of it, they weren't what they used to be and they didn't get back to where they were now. Like the mainstream Marvel 616 universe was kind of on the on, on the downslope and the Ultimate Universe really kind of revived things within fans. Really? Mark Millar did the Ultimates. Bendis did Spider-Man. I mean, I don't think that's... That's when, what when, it started when with. When people though. say they resurrected the Marvel Universe or Marvel Comics with the Ultimates, I find that really hard to believe because like, I don't think that was like a high selling, I mean, it was a selling book, but I don't think it was like amazingly selling book. Well, I don't know. I don't know the sales figures in front of me, but I just mean in terms of fan reception and bringing people into comic books and, and reading and stuff like that. Ultimate Spider-Man was a huge contributing factor to that. And then obviously the ultimate universe kind of went the way of the dinosaur and everyone came back to the 616. But Bendis was the architect. I mean, even though, though Millar wrote, you know, Ultimates and you had Ultimate X-Men. Bendis was the architect of the Ultimate Universe, which is why when they ended the Ultimate Universe, Scotty Young did that incredible variant of Bendis on the cover dropping the mic because it was him. So and again, and then he had his new Avengers and he had plenty of stuff in the regular 616 as well. He created Jessica Jones like dude had plenty of stuff going for him at Marvel. Granted, I will say this in recent years. He has taken a major downturn, in my opinion, and I have not been the biggest Bendis fan over the last few years. But there's no denying that his early 2000s work was pretty stellar. I suppose you could deny it. No, but when I was when I was a well, I'm always a comic book reader. But when I heard about the multi uh, the multiples, no, the Ultimates coming out in the Ultimate Universe, I was like, wait, no. I this, this this is not I don't need a reinvention of my I don't need a reboot of my superheroes. I definitely wasn't a fan of it when it came out. Um it when I opened up the comic book stores when I started reading the Ultimates and then I'm trying to think if I started reading Ultimate Spider-Man before or after Peter Parker got whacked cuz I thought that was a bold move. Um but I want to say I read it before he got killed off and started reading some of it. I'm not a huge fan of Mark Bagley's artwork. <laughs> You're not. You you think he's a Todd McFarlane ripoff? Me, no, I, I don't. I no, I don't. He's not a Todd McFarlane ripoff. He is. He is way like you know when you like copy something in a copy machine and then you copy a copy, it starts downgrading in quality. Right. Like whatever, ten copies later, is Mark Bagley compared to Todd McFarlane? I just can't oh. handle it. <sighs> I'm I'm a, I'm a Bagley fan myself. I disagree. But I so Bendis was in recent years though. Like I was saying, it's taken a major downturn. The dude cannot stick to continuity to save his life. It drives me nuts. Like I've read some Bendis books where characters are popping up that are dead. And like there are, there are things going on that, you know, Age of Ultron had a ton of continuity errors. His Secret Wars tie-ins had a ton of continuity errors. Like the dude does just does not play well in a large sandbox. He doesn't adhere to these rules and stuff. So I'm just wondering how the hell he's going to handle DC over there with their pre-Flashpoint, their New 52, their Rebirth, they're still trying to tie their continuity together, and they just brought in a guy who's, you know, shit the bed on multiple occasions. And I'm reading, fact, I, I'm reading right now all the all the Marvel, his, Marvel Ultimates history and stuff, and so Bendis did think that when he was writing the Ultimates, he was writing, like, the last Marvel Comics book to be published. Like, he thought the place was going to go under uh, yeah. at that point in time, and I'm trying to see... What the and you know, you know you know who that sounds like, and I don't want to, 
I'm not drawing a direct comparison here, but that sounds like Stan Lee back in the 60s who was saying, I'm going to be out of a job. I'm quitting, Mark. This company's going nowhere. And then he said, screw it, balls to the wall, and he put out Fantastic Four. I'm not saying that they're on the same level. I'm just saying that's a very similar story right there. It is. It is. And, I mean, the Ultimate Universe did influence the movie universe for better, for worst. For worse, not worst. I don't know. For Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. I mean, we did get uh, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury because of that. Oh, yeah, man. and his Ultimate Spider-Man, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man is the crown jewel of the Ultimate Universe. Like, Millar's Ultimates was was good. I won't even say it's great. It was good. But Ultimate Spider-Man, from issue one through the last issue with Miles Morales, I thought was a great run. I think when Bendis is in his own sandbox, he's, his, he's the best. When he has his own characters that he created in his own universe is when he's strongest. And... I will say there's I will say there are exceptions to that. I mentioned that in the chat and I was immediately called out about his new Avengers comic, which I, I love his original New Avengers stuff, so there are exceptions to that rule. But I do think his strengths are like Ultimate Spider Man, Miles Morales, Jessica Jones, like th- those are his strongest uh books in my opinion. And New Avengers. New Avengers New Avengers bothers me. It just bothers me. What do, what doesn't bother you? What doesn't bother me? Hmm. What doesn't bother me? The Walking Dead doesn't bother me. I read that comic book and I enjoy that. That's fair. That's so great. Kirkman. Kirkman doesn't bother you. Um. No. I, let's not go specific to writers. It's not because okay, they, the they, they have they go on emotional spectrums as well. So I mean, like, I remember irredeemable Ant Man. I don't think it was Kirkman's fault, but like the artwork artwork bothered me like that. And then as he was like a peeping Tom in there. Which probably yeah, is was, probably is pretty bad now in the current state of Hollywood. <laughs> well, arguably it was pretty bad then too. Just maybe got away with it a little bit more, unfortunately. The yeah. de- well, the book was irredeemable. It was right there in the title. Yeah, you knew what you were getting into. You knew what you were getting into. Oh man! All right. Well, guys, I want to know what you think about this whole Bendis book. We got some awesome coverage about it. You know, Manny Gomez put out a cool article about what books you know he wants to see Bendis tackle at DC. So. Tweeted us, let us know what you think about Bendis and what you want to see him write over there. I think he's going to end up doing something Shazam-related, maybe, since we haven't really seen that, but that's just me. I was looking at some of these titles, and like I see people like they were like, oh, you should write Zatanna. And I was like, how many Zatanna fans are out there? And oh, this, they're out there. This is going to go my other one. Um, What's the giant dog from The Inhumans? Lockjaw. Why is Lockjaw getting a series? Because marketing, because the show was out and they just thought it was going to do so well that they were going to have to do a tie-in book. Oh, man. I just, uh, I don't get it when they're so, I mean, I go to these conventions and I get it. I, 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 like, you're, you're a super fan when you go to these conventions and stuff like that. But I'm trying to think of, like, you know, Dan D will be out in the crowd and be like, who wants to see a Plastic Man series? And the whole crowd goes crazy. And I was like. No, there's like five of you that are actually going to buy a Plastic Man book. So people just cheer to cheer at these conventions, and that bothers me. Um, yeah, sometimes. I personally, I, I will read the hell out of a Plastic Man book. I can't wait to read it. I mean, I I wrote up a little news story this week about how we might be getting a full return of Connor Kent, Superboy, you know, this year. Because he kind of got teased in Detective Comics, and then on, there's an interview out there where the writer, James Tinian, 
you know, said, oh, well, you know, keep track in December and read these books if you want to see what's going to happen. And uh, I put the article out and I shared it on Reddit and it trended like crazy. I mean, like people were so excited about Connor coming back. So they're, they're, they're out there. There are people out there that want to read yeah, these Connor, small niche Connor, characters. Connor's not a niche character, okay, or niche or quiche or whatever you want to call it. He's got the S on his chest. I mean, like, there's a mythos with that. Like, it isn't like you're like, hey, who wants to see a Dr. Fate book? Like, no. Connor Kent, like, has history, has done some epic shit, like, gone at, died in a blaze of glory versus Superboy Prime. Like, he did some All shit. Right. Like, what has Dr. Fate or Plastic Man done? Like, we're in DC member right now. You know what Plastic Man is doing? Nothing. Oh, he's going to, though. Once he, when he comes out of that silly putty egg, oh, just wait. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to let's get to some books. Let's get to some reviews that made you really sad. You just, right, as soon as I said that, your face just like dropped. Like like I could see the depression just wash over you. This was the saddest week of books ever, and I like it's just depressing. So depressing. So I'm, I'm really curious as as to why. So okay, we're gonna start off with Moon Knight issue 188. Came out last week, written by Max Bemis, art by Jason Burroughs, and colors by Matt Lopez. So, what was depressing about this book? This was like an action trippy weird thing. Okay, uh, we're gonna have spoilers coming up right now. So if you haven't read this Moon Knight book, uh, there's going to be spoilers after this point in time. Uh, I'm gonna say spoiler three times, and then that's going when the spoilers gonna happen. So spoiler. 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 All right. Why is this book depressing? Besides the fact that there was, like, no Moon Knight in the Moon Knight comic. Yes. Okay. Why? So the character, that the main character in this story, the psychologist in this, that's going through all of this story, and it's it's kind of, like, you know, very heavy, very thoughtful. Like, you're, you're, you're thinking with the psychologist and stuff like that. And you're going through the problems, and you're also if like you're also thinking like, hey, how's Moon Knight gonna fold into this story? Because he never really shows up into it. Um, and so you 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 bond with this character, and you know because she goes to dinner with her douchebag friends, and you know she's drinking Folgers coffee, which I don't know who drinks Folgers coffee. Like Kerr eggs are out there now, so you can drink Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, or maybe they just didn't want to give Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts the street cred. Uh, but instead they gave Folgers. And then she gets burned to a crisp. And she's just like, got no eye, got no hair. Her body's all melted. And she's somehow alive. How is that not depressing? Oh, it's dark as shit. Don't get me wrong. This is a dark comic book. I just didn't feel depressed when reading it. Like, like you Mr. Have Miracle no is a soul. depressing comic. You have no soul. I do know, like, Mr. Miracle's a depressing comic. Like, that's a comic, you know, you got existentialism and a bunch of, like, you know, really sad things going on in that book. This has some really darkness in it, believe me, but it didn't. when she was burned to a crisp, it didn't, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe quote-unquote, depressed has to, like, strike a different chord within me, like, like Mr. Miracle does or something. I don't know. I mean, it was dark. Don't get me wrong. She's never going to practice medicine again. And like her whole career is over with and Marvel will probably go the douchebag route and make her evil. Oh, I don't think we're ever seeing her again. Oh, you think she's done done? Yeah, no, I think she was just to introduce us to this world and, you know, kind of fill us in on this mysterious. Yeah, patient so she, that doesn't, turns even, out, she yeah. doesn't even get a chance to come back. This is she's done. Doesn't get more depressing I, than that. Yeah. 
I think so. I don't, I don't know. I th- I just I thought it was incredible that they had such a, a cool trippy Moon Knight comic without Moon Knight, other than that one you know splash page that was a dream sequence. Uh, I, I very bold move right out the gate. First issue of this new Moon Knight series, no Moon Knight. Super bold move and could have gone really wrong. But I still think uh, I still think that they really conveyed what this series is going to be about really well. And I love the art, like the art by Jason Burroughs. It was it was really cool. It actually reminded me a lot of Declan Shalvey, who I love and he who worked on Moon Knight previously. And there's a little bit of Shalvey in in Burroughs's art here. And I really liked it. That splash page that I mentioned of the one time that Moon Knight appears was print worthy, in my opinion. So I, I and oh, that that panel. Speaking of things that maybe maybe this book is depressing, that panel of the patient in uh, in the straitjacket with blood all over and the symbols all over his room. That was that's haunting again, dark, haunting, not depressing. So I know Jason Burroughs from his work on Crossed, the Garth Ennis zombie rape fest rage disgusting book that it is so to see this in moon night i i i like i was automatically like i saw the work and like his the way he does faces and the the jesus looking guy right away like i automatically saw crossed in it and i was like oh and then when you get to that last panel where like not the last panel but when he's like doing all the blood and he's in the in the room and he's all cut up like that image right there is directly from crossed and so he he can draw like evil maniacal like stuff like crazy but there's so much baggage with the disgusting shit that he drew and crossed that when i saw that it was him i was like totally turned off because that's what he does like he draws evil really really well and that's all i saw was evil and that's that's what it was i mean that that guy was evil incarnate like you you saw the destruction that he reigned it made you depressed but you know it's funny because like there's the flame there's the panel with the flames where he's like having like a flashback about family and stuff like that and i don't know if it's the coloring of it or the way it's set up I can't stand it. Like, I really can't stand, like, the flames and, like, what's going on with it. And basically all the flame stuff I'm not a huge fan of. But you go to the all-white Moon Knight stuff where you have, like, Moon Knight and, like you said, the printworthiness of that one panel. Uh, The stitching on the mummies, like, everything looks so crisp and it's colored so well. It's it's beautiful. So it's it's... Because I think it's because there's no real faces in it. I think that could be it. Maybe. All I know is when I... I was so looking forward to this. Because Moon Knight's been on a hot streak recently. I mean, between Warren Ellis' run and Jeff Lemire's run. I could not wait for this. All I want from a Moon Knight book is something that's trippy and weird. Something that I'm not fully going to understand. And that's going to keep me hooked so that I I can see how it plays out and try to figure out like a puzzle more or less. And, and this book gave it to me. This single issue gave it to me because this whole comic was a puzzle. And then seeing how this plays out is going to be a puzzle. So that's what I want from Moon Knight book. I want this crazy trippy ride that I don't really fully understand. And I got that. And if you want something like that in a comic, then I think that this is going to pay off. I get why you like this book. I'm just not a fan. 
Like I'm just straight up like I people have always like Moon Knight's the best, Moon Knight's the best, and I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Like it's I'm not I'm again. It's just one of those things where I think Moon Knight is in those characters of like it has a super niche group of fans and. You guys can love whatever you want. That's fine. I, I've he's never really been involved in any part of the Marvel universe in a big way. You know, I remember there's a few times where I think he might have been in Spider Man, where Spider Man's like, "Hey, I'm gonna put this like really random ass team together," but he's still like his personality's never really come across in the mainstream area. So he's always been in this like little corner, and Moon Knight fans have always been like super passionate about the book. All five of you people. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's popped up. He's popped up in Spider-Man, but I, but that's what I love about him too is that he is stays in his own little corner. Like he's not a character that gets sucked into the civil wars and the secret empires. And you know, we have so much crossover and so many like you know marketing ploys where all these books weave together, and you know, then we a big event happens and everything stops, and all these other books tie into it. And Moon Knight. Is, is has always been its own thing, you know. He's kind of stays to himself, and if if you're looking just for a good superhero comic that you don't have to worry about reading 20 other comics to keep up with it, he he's the perfect character for that. He's probably the closest to any possibility of like a Vertigo character for Marvel. I totally am down with that comparison. Yeah, like I could see him as like a a, a Vertigo kind of like a like a Swamp Thing or a Sandman kind of character. Yeah, I I am totally on board with that. He's just I just because he rattled off some really good names of writers and again, you know, people are like, oh, this is the best thing ever. It's kind of like, <sighs> it's kind of like Tom King's Vision. You're like, oh, it's the Vision. I was like, why do I want to read about the Vision? It's weird. Like I watched I watched Walking Dead last night and like there was a huge episode of Ezekiel. And I was like, I really don't care about this character at all. I just don't. Like, it's I have the characters on The Walking Dead that I like, and they've interview, introduced some new ones, and I'm just like, yeah, I've got I got no more room in my uh, my heart for you. <laughs> did he die? Did Ezekiel die last night? Spoiler alert. I don't watch The Walking Dead, but did he die? Ezekiel did not die last night. Someone died, though, right? Someone did die. All right. I don't watch the show. I don't. I sorry, I don't read the comic either. I, I know I need to catch up on The Walking Dead, but I did hear that somebody died. Yeah, at some point in time, I'm gonna we're gonna have to review The Walking Dead because it is a comic book. That's fine. I have read Walking Dead comics. I, I've I read the first four volumes of it. I've read some stuff since then, here and there. I just haven't consistently read it. I you know I could hold my own on it though. Hold on, come back to Moon next. I'm flipping through my comic right here. Some I. I love the coloring in this book. I love the psychiatrist being a redhead, kind of echoing the you know the flames and the red that's going to come later in the book that's going to haunt her. But I really love the use of white in a Moon Knight book. And maybe that's the reason why I, I gravitate towards Moon Knight is I love colorists that kind of play with white because white could stand for so many things. It could stand for purity or blankness or, or it, 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 there's so much that you could do with nothing essentially – and the few panels in here, the dream sequence, you get a lot of white, especially you see a lot of like the empty paintings on the walls behind the psychiatrist. There's a lot of really good imagery in those two pages. And I hope we see some uh, more interesting uses of that moving forward when Moon Knight becomes more fully integrated in this book. No, there's definitely um, just, I love because if you're watching or if you're reading a book digitally, 
I love just scrolling through a book quickly to see how the pages are colored, to see if there is any meeting in the colors of what's going on or the transitions of it. And like you said, there's that there's the white page, there's there's the oranges when he's on fire, uh, and then there's the there's the panels when she's at the museum and it's got more of an orange tint and there's like kind of like a like a vintage look in certain panels when they're when they're talking and then everything is kind of outlined in black borders. Uh, so there's it's it's a well colored book. I would I would like yeah. to say that Matt Lopes did a good job. So Lopes, I thought it was Lopez. Well, I don't. I haven't met Matt. Neither do I. One way or the other, he did a good job. I love that though too. What you're saying about scrolling through and just getting a sense of the palette. Have you seen online people who like take a movie and they take like every still from the movie and they kind of condense it into like a spectrum? Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's kind of that feeling. I'd love for someone to do that with the comic book, just to get a good sense of the palette. I know what Matt. I Matt is from Brazil, so it is probably Matt Lopez. Two points for me. What you didn't research it? No, I, I did the I, fact. I, I did the fact checking. Yeah, but I was right. Probably. Uh, still he, don't know he's for also sure. working on Batgirl and Gasolina, like Carolina. Oh, at Image, yeah. And uh, Moon Knight. That's what he has right there. And uh, he's from Brazil. Brazil. I am giving this book 4.3 monkeys. 4.3? 4.3 monkeys. I almost said stars, but it's monkeys. This is an of uh this is an above average book just on storytelling alone, just the whole narrative of the this self-contained kind of issue. It, it is leading on to bigger things. There were some good things in the art, there were some not so good things in the art. The coloring's really good. It's a solid Four robots. The Batman Who Laughs is written by James Tinney in the fourth with art by Riley Rosmo, colors by Ivan Placencia, and letters by Tom Nobladano. Why'd you make me read this so depressing book, man? Because we have been following this whole Dark Knights metal saga. We've been talking about the Dark Knights, and this this is the last one. This is the one we've been waiting for. Since they since we started reading these Dark Knights tie-ins, this is the one that we wanted. This, this one? is the leader. This is yeah, the, this, this yeah, this is the Dark Knight that ever. This is the leader of the Dark Knights. This is the guy that brought them all together. Well, Barbados brought them together, arguably, but this is still he's the leader of the Dark Knights. He's the the worst of the worst. He is the worst of the worst. It was funny in the um, in our little comic book chat. I was like, "How do you pronounce Barbados?" And everybody kind of chimed in. And I was like, like the island? <laughs> like, yes. And I was like, hi. You know? I just, I, he's got the worst name for a villain. Blame Grant Morrison. No, no, no. I did some heavy, heavy research on Barbados. And he was brought up in the early 90s. Like Batman Dark City. Like a two-issue run. And then he's brought up way before then. On that, so he's been around for a while, and uh, you know, I guess Grant Morrison took advantage of him, and then, and then Snyder totally took advantage of him and created this whole universe here. But like, I, I like when they're bringing back. I like when they like dig deep into the archives of like villains, and they find some good stuff to expand on. 
I, I think that's when like I'm most excited about creativity in comic books. Yeah, that's why I've really been enjoying metal as a whole. So I, I I've been waiting for this Batman Who Laughs comic. I I've been enjoying all the Dark Knights books, but this is the one I've been wanting, and it really did not disappoint. And I'm a big fan of James Tinian's writing. I think he's doing an excellent job on Detective. He's he's up there, you know, as one of the best Batman writers today. Like you know, it's been Snyder and Tinian side by side for for years already. But before we get to the story and the writing, I just want to make a comment on the art here because I love what they did with this book. Like the Joker that we see in the beginning is from the cartoons. Like that is the new Batman adventures, like the JLU Joker. Like he just I have I have like the the whole animated Batman action figures. I've been collecting them. And as I'm reading it. I'm like, this looks familiar. And I look over on my shelf at my Joker action figure and I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's 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 who I'm reading right now. Like they they mimicked it. And not only that, but as you're reading later, you know, we see dead Wonder Woman on the floor. That's Darwin Cook's Wonder Woman. Like I'm 95 percent sure that that's Darwin Cook's Wonder Woman right there. Like so I love that they took these like classic kind of style characters and used them for the darkest of the Dark Knight stories. Amazing choice on my on in in my mind. I do like how they explain the Joker Robins. That was interesting. The artwork is phenomenal in this book. And so you're saying that this is the Joker from the Batman the Animated Series. It looks like him to me. It looks kind of, even maybe more from like JLU kind of because you know he's gone through his stages. But yeah, they kind of looks this kind of looks like the Joker from the Justice League Unlimited series. The first. The first panel, like the first panel that you see the Joker, I was like, oh, I thought it was Justice League. I thought it was like from the Batman animated series as well. I was like, oh, this is cool. But then like the farther you get away from it, the more I'm like, okay, this is kind of like a little a little different than um, than him. I mean, it could be influenced by it. I mean, like you can see what you want to see in in the comic. I'm not I'm not judging you on this. I'm just well, I'm just well, emotionally the costume is. 100%. Like the 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 suit is 100% as he wore it in the cartoons. But granted that's also the Joker's suit, you know, purple suit, green shirt, like that's kind of his staple, so doesn't have to be from the show, but it is what he wore in the show. I'm just the carnage in this book is just insane. Like insane, oh, so insane. So good. I'll 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 even give you depressing on this one. I wouldn't give you depressing on Moon Knight, but I'll give you depressing on this one. Any book that has a panel of Batman, you know, just like laying waste to people is, is I, I'll, I'll put that into the depressing column, especially considering who he was laying waste to. And then the hor- uh, the horror aspect of the book is just insane because of what happens off panel that they don't show you as Superman rips apart his wife and kid. Like, come on, man. Oh, that was brutal. And that's the moment, too. You could tell from the lettering and the art choice of, you know, uh, the the speech balloon kind of shifting over to the dark side. Like, that's the moment that he truly becomes like the Batman who laughs. Oh, that was that was crazy. It was. Yeah, no, this is just a god awful tale. And 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 Damien. Oh, he's a jerk. He would he totally gets it. He's one that would totally go over to the dark side as quickly as possible. Well, that's what he says, too. He says it only took a little push, and he did it to himself. Like, he totally, he definitely volunteered. Who is the person bandaged up? I don't know. And, like, that's what I'm, 
really curious about. Like, and I, I love how all these books are tying together. Like, none of them really feel like, you know, throwaway marketing ploys. Like, all of these tie-ins feel essential to the main story. Because now I need to know who that guy is in the bandages. These are all integral to the overall metal story, and I love it. Like, I don't know. Who do you think it could be? Well, it's in a wheelchair, and I don't know if that's the whole, like, if they were in a wheelchair before or after they got. Part of me is leaning towards the Joker. I don't know. Like, part of me was like, is that Barbara Gordon? And he's just retorturing Barbara Gordon again. And other part of it, now that I see, like, it's more of an insane asylum suit, I'm like, is that the Joker? You know, I would love it if it was the Joker because this is a massive Batman event and we haven't seen him yet. So I would love to see if this is where he was and kind of if if the Batman who laughs had to take him off the table, kind of because only only the Joker could do that to another Joker. Right. So it would make sense. But we do have that one panel where you kind of see his eyes through the bandages and it, it doesn't look, you know, white and made up to me. No, it looks and it, it looks younger. It, that's where I was like, it looks younger and possibly female in the eyes. Oh man! I mean, it could be, it could be Alfred. It, you know, it could be could be a number. Of, I, I, you know. And the face is kind of small, like rounded. If it was the Joker, it would be a little bit pointier. Yeah. In that, um, but then the the person has kind of like man hands. So I'm assuming I'm thinking it's more of a guy than a girl. I was a huge fan of all the close ups. Because the detail and the artwork is really impressive. Like the the Joker Batman hands, you know, are yeah. all gargoyled and, and brutal and and just the, you know, always bleeding mouth. Like the details are, are really brilliant in it. I wanted them to kind of explain the spikes and we didn't get that. So I'm still left with questions. I mean, what's to explain? It's just kind of kind of metal, kind of metal and twisted. Well, how, do you, how do you see? Um, that's just Greg Capullo letting his like inner rock god out. Really? Yeah, man. I mean, all <laughs> of the Dark Knights are like have crazy designs to them and stuff. And this is this is this is the sick, twisted BDSM Batman who wears leather and brings Robins around on chains. I I get that. I'm just you know they they have the panel where he kills Batman and there's a small. I mean, Carol's Superman. And like the costume has changed a little bit where the, the Batman symbol is green and he's got the Joker smile. And then you just go straight into this, you know, leathered up chains, Batman holding a gun and, and just more of a, a crazier look. And it just, you know, I wanted a little bit of a transition. So I've been loving these Dark Knights books because they all have been. I mean, the whole Dark Knight's metal premise as a whole is exploring Batman's flaws, right? And like everything that he's always been afraid of, you know, he, you know, trusting people, you know, that that's been explored in these Dark Knights, and they're all kind of embodiments of his greatest fears and greatest weaknesses. And it was interesting to me because this one was, you know, his last line, like "I will not kill," and he did. He killed the Joker, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" So this is like. The, the bad choice he made was killing the Joker, which was the line that he swore he would never cross because he'd never come back from it. And that wasn't really what did it, though, right? Because even he says he's just like, I'm not going to go down that dark path. Like, I'm fine. I'm glad I killed him, blah, blah, blah. And it's not like it wasn't his psychology that broke. It was like just one last Joker prank. It was physical. You know, he poisoned him with Joker toxin or whatever it was. You know, it wasn't like, you know, he slowly deteriorated into his mind as to the point where, 
Like, it didn't prove his point. It didn't prove that if he crossed that line, he wouldn't be able to stop killing people. It just showed that the Joker just, you know, poisoned him more or less. I don't know if that cheapens it or, you know, I think it might have been cooler if he went down that road on his own. Might have said more about him. But I guess it also probably would have answered, you know, you know, the age old question of whether or not, you know, he should or should not kill the Joker. But I don't think it cheapened it. I thought it was it's kind of like when you make those decisions, there are consequences. And this was one of the consequences on this earth. Yeah, I'm not, I, and again, I'm not saying that it did cheapen it. I was just kind of, you know, going back and forth in my I was playing devil's advocate to myself, more or less. And I then, do like that point. And then also, has has the other books been in the Dark Universe, or has the characters been found in the New 52 and then brought to the Dark Universe? What do you mean? I don't get it. Well, this Batman, he's from World whatever, World Earth 22. Negative 22. Oh, negative. Okay, I missed the negative 22. I'm sorry. Then my question is answered oh, is just by reading it. Yeah, no, all of the all of the Dark Knights tie-ins have all, you know, kind of jumped back and forth between, the, you know, the negative world origin story and then showed them in, you know, in Earth Zero. Right, no, and that's, and that's fine. I, I just was like, I thought this was the first one that was just in Earth, like, on this side, and then they brought him over to the the upside upside down world the upside down yeah the upside down. watching too much stranger things yeah <laughs> just the justice for barb oh man but this book's really good it is hi- highly recommended like this is this is the, the dc book to pick up this week man like the artwork the story just the the raw carnage in it is just brutal to the umpteenth degree yeah i'll um, go as far as to say even if you, if you haven't been reading any metal books, which you should be because we've been telling you to for months already, but if you haven't read any metal books, I would still just pick this up because on its own, as a standalone Elseworld story, I think you'll find it enjoying. And if nothing else, it'll you know make people go back and catch up on metal. Yeah, no, I think this will make people read metal if you haven't read metal. Like if you're, I mean, I can't see you not being a Batman fan and then... N- I'm trying to figure out why you wouldn't be reading Bat- uh, Dark Knight Metal if you weren't a Batman fan already. Like, I just, I just don't. Well, get I it. get that. I get that people have like event fatigue and stuff like that, and they, you know, are kind of tired of the endless, you know, parade of crossovers and tie-ins and stuff like that. But you know, I, I, I've been saying it. This does not feel like a cheap event to me. You know, everything feels earned and has weight, and it, you know, it really feels like they're trying to do right by the fans on this. So, but, but, you know, so if. If you were worried about getting invested in metal, just pick up this one tie-in. It'll sell you, I promise you. And then tweet me and tell me that you did it so that I feel good about myself. And I uh, I did a video after the last Batman Dark Knight's Metal tie-in book because Snyder at that point in time basically deconstructed Batman in the current universe. Like he is, He is gone. He is a shell of that person. And he's pushed to the brink like all these other Batman and it's like, is he going to come back or is there a Batman going to come from a different universe to come in? Like I'm thinking that the Grant Morrison Batman is from the old 52 or whatever the pre flashpoint Batman is going to come in and save the day because there's that one panel where they show all the Batman and in there and they're all just like hollow but yeah, this, you were gung ho after you read that. You're like, "Is is old school Batman coming back to save the day?" And we're like, "No, Matt. 
It's not. What the fuck was that? That was just to be telling the truth. <laughs> you were so excited. You, you read not, Batman I, Lost. I wasn't. I Number one, I was just, I love theorizing about books. And I like went through and I looked at other Reddit posts and, and other theories on it. And I was like, well, you know, this is kind of a, if you're, if this is kind of a Grant Morrison tie-in book. And there are some, Grant Morrison just went all over the place with Batman. But he did, was very neurotic about how neurotic Batman was to prepare for all types of situations. And there's one time where he's buried and he's like, okay, this is how much you have to bench to, to dig yourself out from 22 feet deep of dirt and this and that. And he's like, I know exactly how much I needed to work. And I was just like, he went through all the things and how much pressure you need to apply to the wood to break it and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh shit, this is like Batman at like the Batman's most like Batman point where he's just like, because Batman's neurotic. He's a detective. They're always figuring out things. And that's what he is. And and there was like that one scene. And and if that neurotic Batman comes in, he'll kind of be able to figure this out. Because reading Lost and, and the other other books, I think it was Lost, um, you can see how the Justice League is kind of faltering because they don't have that kind of like commander type person to kind of figure out where the plans are going. I, you really you were setting me up for an okay good for you and then you just you went a different i was like so i got so excited because you started talking i was like oh this is it this is my moment and then you just you kind of derailed and and i, I couldn't i couldn't pull it off at the end there so yeah i'm a little bit a little bit down now i'm depressed to be honest <laughs> um but no i i put a video out of me just kind of just rambling about batman and in dark knight's metal and uh comic book boom he he chimed in and he's he wasn't a fan of snyder's run on batman and i can understand everybody everybody's got opinions everybody's got their different batmans that they like um but he didn't like he's not a big fan of it um but now rereading it and see how it sets up metal he's like a huge fan of it now yeah well i love well not even that it's set up metal i just I love the fact that he's going back and tying all these things together after the fact and, and you know, way back to Detective Comics 27, like Batman's first appearance, like he's just orchestrating this massive, you know, web that he's, you know, just weaving together. But I'm glad that I'm glad that people, it's turning people around. I'm glad that it's getting people, you know, on board with things that they weren't on board with previously, myself included. I've been vocal that I'm not the biggest Grant Morrison fan and that his Batman wasn't, you know, my favorite. But reading metal, it has inspired me myself to, you know, go back and give it a second look. So. I'm in that camp as well, and any any comic that inspires you to read more and go back and you know take a, a look at things that maybe you didn't previously enjoy, or kind of dig into some history, I'm really I'm really in support of that. Like I I love art that inspires you know additional art. Good for you. Oh. <laughs> what are you what are you what are you grading uh, this book? Four point five. I'm I'm doing a 4.25 robots, my friend. Good for you. Good for you. Hi, Anthony. We got a really exciting week of books. I I will I will talk to you next week. Sounds good.
Once again, there's several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host Anthony is also on Twitter at the underscore great underscore ace. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we'd greatly appreciate a review of our show on iTunes. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? There are so many people that made the 20th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Go check out Uncanny Heroes in Tampa, people! And a very special shout-out to my co-host, Anthony Composta. You gotta be one of the good guys. Because there's way too many of the bad. Shit's getting deep. Shit is getting deep. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? Staff of Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.